2: PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: They charge me with resisting
1: arrest. Yes.
0: Get that confidence in jail.
1: I have checked. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Allegedly Bravo. I'm Cash. And I'm Lauren. You guys, we are <laughs> riding
0: <laughs> You have no idea what we just did.
1: You have no, well, now you do know. Well, now you know. But now you know because the episode is labeled, you guys. We just interviewed Dr. Fur Dr. Fur. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> I can't. I'm I'm stumbling over my words. I'm so excited. We interviewed Dr. Tiffany Moon. Oh my God, you
0: guys. <laughs> I could cry. I'm just gonna I'd like to thank the Academy. Um, I'd like to thank Tiffany Moon. I'd like to thank Well Butrin for leveling <laughs> out my level so I could confidently
1: ask. Like what the fuck? You guys, she did not hold back. She answered every single one of our questions. I i mean, I'm going to be riding high forever. Like, I don't ever want to interview another housewife ever again. She is just, she's it. She has everything. She's smart. Family woman. She married. She's the moment. She's the moment. She's the year. She's the century. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Wow. I mean-
0: you guys are really, I think, going to enjoy this interview. We get into some really cool stuff about her contract, about what it's like in the OR, etc., and so forth. And, and I don't talks- want to give too much away. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, we briefly talk about the Westcott drama, mm-hmm. how it was handled by Bravo. We talked a little bit, yeah, like what the Bravo contracts look like. And then we asked her what she would do if she was asked to be on Ultimate Girls Trip. So you're going to want to know what she said. It's a fun 30-minute interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Allegedly Bravo, a very, very special edition. We have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Tiffany Moon of former Real Housewives of Dallas, but hopefully be back on our screen soon. (laughs) Maybe did like getting. I know I do <laughs> like that. So we are going to be just asking her some questions. First of all, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank um, you for having me.
1: Of course, and I, I'm sure the listeners are just as shocked. excited as we are. <laughs> yeah. While so <laughs> we're doing this, but really, we wanted to just go through and ask you some questions about your experience on The Real Housewives of Dallas, and really, I. Uh, Lauren, do you want to start it off?
0: So I have a, I have a lot of questions. So since we're a law podcast, like we really have a lot of, you know, listeners that are really interested in the legal stuff. So I Mm -hmm. have a question about like the, you know, the big contract that like, everyone's always like trying to get the details on when you're a housewife is your contract with Bravo or is your contract with like a production company? Or can you even answer that?
2: I I mean I don't I'm not going to say anything I think that's going to get me in trouble and what would they do to me anyway? Right. Um <laughs> I believe I'm not 100% I would actually have to check but I believe it's with the production company and they then do. the production company has a contract with Bravo to produce X number of episodes or whatever.
1: And oh. so when you received that contract did you do the initial review yourself or did you automatically I mean cuz you are a business woman extraordinaire and your husband is a businessman Um, but did you guys hire an uh, an attorney to do it or did you have your husband?
2: Well, I read through it initially myself and kind of scanned it and was like, I don't understand what this means. I had my (laughs) husband looked at it and he had a friend who is an entertainment lawyer. Um, and they, um, made some red line changes and things like that, but it's, it's a pretty standard contract and me, you know, it's not like I have any things that I can't show or, businesses that I'm trying to promote on the show. So it was actually a very easy contract for me. Okay.
0: I have a question about like, cause you had your candle line and all that when you bring your candles on the show or, you know, Rinna bringing her wine or, or anything like that, do they get a cut or like, of like, if your sales boost or anything?
2: I have no idea. They did not get a cut of any of my things, but oh. I also didn't really like, pitch heavy my products on the show. Like right. I didn't go mm-hmm. on Housewives right. to sell more candles or sell more three right. moons wine. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we served yeah. the wine on the show. I gave the ladies a candle at one of the events, you know, but I didn't really like go on the show to grow my businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, the businesses grew a little bit as a result of the show, which is excellent. Um, but they didn't take a cent from me. Um, I think the rule is that if you go on there, like specifically to promote something, something, mm-hmm. then they can take a percentage of your sales. I don't even know how they would enforce that. Right. Because right. you have to show themselves records and things like that. I think it's just so that people know that they're not going on the show to do like a live infomercial, right? <laughs> right. which we've
1: seen from some of our housewives. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: believe it. I fully believe that.
1: <laughs> so then you said that it wasn't your motivation to go on the show, to pitch a project, then what was your motivation or the reason why you finally pulled the trigger and accepted their offer? To
2: join, you know, I, I was kind of having a little bit of a midlife crisis. I had been a physician for about 10 years. Um, Deandra and Mama D had been egging me to do the show since like season two when she joined, mm-hmm. and I it was always like, no, no, I have a career, I have a family, it's really not my cup of tea. Um, and then I had this kind of midlife crisis where I'm like, oh my god, I've done everything in my life exactly by the books, I'm a good girl, you know, I graduated at the top of my medical school class at the age of 23, That's went to residency, got married, had twins by the time I was 30 and was like a professor at the medical school and had never been in trouble. Don't have any, like, don't even have an unpaid parking ticket. You will not find Mm -hmm. on me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this because no one expects that I would. And I want to do it for myself. I want to have the sleepover that I never had. I never had girlfriends growing up. I had a very lonely childhood um and i was like it's going to be fun deandra promised me that i would make all these new girlfriends that we would get invited to like fashion week and red carpet events and that uh production would pay for us to go on a fabulous trip and zero of those things happened so <laughs> oh, i know i i just feel like you got such a
1: i feel like you came on at such a difficult time one because you were a doctor during the pandemic yeah. Two, you were coming on when they were filming in the middle of a pandemic. And then it just, I feel like you didn't get a good shake at it. And that's why I'm really hoping you can come back because I thought that storyline when you did open up about how you didn't really grow up with girlfriends and you were looking forward to that opportunity to spend time. Cause I, I do feel like they picked on you a little bit, but you know, I, I yeah, I just, I, I miss you on our screen.
2: <laughs> oh well, no. You. I mean, part of me is salty that I just got a bad experience. I feel like I joined at the wrong time. I feel like I joined yeah. the wrong cast. I feel like if I joined Beverly Hills or another city, I would have done much better, you mm-hmm. know. And I can be salty for all of these things. Like my cast trip was to Oklahoma, like the year yeah. before they <laughs> went to Thailand. I was like, "What the hell?" Um, <laughs> you know, I I told myself I can be salty for all of these things, and I am a little bit. Or I can just be grateful that a boring doctor like me got the chance to go on a show like that. And it gave me exposure and helped me grow my audience. And I get the sweetest messages from people saying that, like, you know, that resonated so much with me. And thank you for verbalizing how I feel, but could not put into words. So, you know, I'm both salty and grateful simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. I personally thought it was super cool
0: to like, watch housewives and see such a force. Like you're powerful. I mean, you're a doctor, a mom, like all the stuff you just said that you did before you were even 30 years old. Like Mm -hmm. I'm 31. I have done none of that. Like it's incredible. And watching you and seeing you come home from work and shower and then hang out with your kids. Like in the middle of a pandemic and all this stuff. I was just like, that's cool. Like that's a real house. Yeah. Like, you know, and I just, I miss that. And I love you. Yeah. And I hope that you come back, like even on like a married
1: to med vibe. I don't know. That'd be cool. We talked about that. We said you should do a married to medicine Dallas version. I just think it would be spectacular because you are so intelligent, but you also have that glam to you. That is something that's appealable to a viewer. Um, But really quick, I do have a question for you about your transition from being, I mean, you still are a doctor and anesthesiologist, but how did, how was that when you joined the cast of Dallas, how was that perceived within the medical community or with the, your fellow colleagues or your doctors? Did you, do you think it,
2: um, we, we really didn't talk about it much. Um, I didn't really seek the advice or counsel of many people, except for mm-hmm. my family and close friends. And I think the general consensus is like, why would she do that? You know, and a lot of people didn't understand the show. And before I was on it, I didn't really understand it either, but I did it as something that I wanted to do for myself. You know, that was my act of rebellion was like, I'm going to do housewives. Um, and people were like, Oh, that's so unprofessional. No patient will ever trust her again. You know, those sorts of things. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I would actually like to dispel the myth that you can't go on TV, be yourself, be funny, have an alcoholic beverage and still yeah. be a damn good anesthesiologist. Like, where was that written in the textbook? Because I missed that part. I know. That just gave me goosebumps. I, I, yeah. I became a mission of mine. I'm like, I'm going to show them. I didn't miss a single day of work. I took extra shifts. It was the middle of COVID. I was full time, which I am not anymore. And I was like, I'm a damn good anesthesiologist. Yeah and an okay
1: housewife. I I thought you were the best on the cast, but that's just me. (laughs) So Lauren and I both were talking about this last night. How was it for you working in the middle of a pandemic and then having to come back and film with these women? Like, how were you able to relate or did you have difficulties when they were having these petty conversations, when you're thinking about real world issues and the stress of also raising a family, you know, keeping your husband happy, keeping a you know, all your businesses up and all running. your businesses in line. Like, did you find it difficult to, to relate to some of these women? And it's no disrespect because a lot of them own their own businesses, but you're truly working a traditional nine to five job, more of like 12s, but you know. yeah, more like
2: seven to seven jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really hard. I was working full time. I didn't miss any shifts, never called in late, you know, none of that stuff. Cause I knew that I was under a magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was being called to do anesthesia for patients who were COVID positive, like known to be COVID positive, intubating them um, because they were in respiratory distress or they had cancer and needed to have their operation like it couldn't be delayed. And then I'd come home and that evening or the next day have to film with the ladies and they'd be like, I don't know if this new rug is going to fit in my new $7 million (laughs) house and I'm just really worried and what are we going to do? And I'm like... I'm really anxious because, like um, I saw four people at the hospital today, and two of them are like probably not gonna make it. like they yeah. did not look good. Yeah. When I- yeah. I'm worried about my children. They were out of school. And I was like, Oh my God, they're not learning. How are they going to be yeah. little geniuses when they're out? I of forgot school? about and that. Nanny, my lovely nanny had just arrived from China. She's an over, <sighs> Um And her English was not great. You know, so yeah. my kids are basically at home with someone who barely speaks English. And I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then you don't want to talk about it
2: on screen because you don't want to be a negative, you know, like a Debbie Downer. Right, and that's not what they wanted me to talk mm-hmm. about. And when I did try to at least make reference to it a little bit, um, the ladies were just absolutely not interested um, yeah. in, in talking about it. Like it would, you know, they were like, "How's your day, Tiffany?" And I was like, "Oh, it's kind of rough. Like the hospital's full. My patient was really sick." And they're like, "And what about you? You know, it's like they yeah no yeah where'd you home. get your purse? Blah blah blah. Yeah, right. Uh, right.
0: interesting. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah." yeah. That would feel that feels to me like it would be difficult. Like, I mean, because we as people who work in the law, like we hear some crazy stuff and then you come home and I, I can't imagine and then trying to like entertain America. Like that is so much pressure. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot. Um, I, you know, I think my um, mental and emotional um, energy was spent on all work and filming. And <laughs> I think um, I suffered a lot. And I think my family suffered a lot because I didn't spend a lot of time with them during that time. That's why when we were like maybe going to do another season and when it started showing like the first several interviews I did, like on episode two or three of when season four five aired and they're like are you gonna do another season and I was like probably not (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
1: well and also the way that your season ended it wasn't just the normal ending of a housewife season you were really I mean you were in the tabloids you were being talked about all over because of this unfortunately the Westcott drama of it all Mm -hmm. and I think that was an added an added pressure and that I can't even imagine having to deal with yeah. And Do you we make- feel better? We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Finding Ruby is the incredible true story of a 16 year old tricked by a seemingly innocent Facebook message. A message that would lead her from the protection of the mountains to the nightmare of an online trafficking den.
1: Her first message to me was like Hi, are you looking for a job?
0: Ruby is hidden from the world from everyone except her abusers. But she isn't alone. There is a team of people looking for her, and they will stop at nothing to find her. This isn't just the fight of her life. It's their fight too. Search for Finding Ruby today.
2: I mean, I feel good about what I did. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, cause I was at the time that it was happening when basically it was, it was basically everything was like, okay, until they went below the belt and tried to yeah. come after my actual job, yeah. which of course she wouldn't know anything about. Right. So, when they started insinuating that I was like showing up to work, you know, less than optimal, um, and that I was mean, defamatory you know, to... And then tagging my employer, like literally tagging my employer. Yeah. Is when I was like, okay, now, now look what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look what so you did. That's when I had do. to get Mr. <laughs> Lawyer on the phone um, and he took care of things. Good. So, yeah. A good chunk of my first season, yeah. Paycheck went to pay Mr. Lawyer.
1: <laughs> so unfortunate.
2: They should have paying. to
1: pay for it. So we have a, right. we <laughs> have a question for you related to that incident because we don't want to give it a lot of energy because you're so much more than that and your career I feel like is so much more successful and but we want to know kind of behind the scenes process of how that was handled with Bravo or the production team. Like does Bravo have an HR team or is it a rep that reaches out to try to mitigate or mediate this drama or was it really left to you? to handle the situation between you and your fellow cast member
2: and her family. I mean, I'm sure that they have an HR team (laughs) and they were scrambling um, about, cause technically we're like, I don't know if we're employees of Bravo, but you know what I mean? Independent right. Contractors, I mean, you're kind of right. Right. Front facing. Um, no one reached out to me. Um, I, you know, had a hissy fit and like changed my bio to like ex housewife or former housewife. I, remember that. I, love that. I was like this whole stern. I was like, Oh my God. And then I got in trouble for doing that. <laughs> um, and, and then, um, after that, I was advised to not talk about it anymore from that point on, unless it was through my lawyer. Oh, yeah. I was like, you can talk to my lawyer about it. And then I think Kate Arthur wrote a really nice piece and like variety and other publications came out. But basically the fans and the press were like spot on, you know, you can't fool people. These are like people, you know, right. And, and um, yeah. So after that, I I never heard anything again. So that was it. Hmm. Wow. And I said, I will never work with her ever again. No, no. So you are even thinking of inviting her back. Just don't even invite me. Um, So,
1: and I think we all agree. We'd rather have you on our screens and your family. Yeah. I
2: would, if she was on,
0: I would not watch. Absolutely not. Yeah. I I don't think she would have been asked back, but I don't know that for a fact. Right. Yeah. That's pit inducing, you know, like (laughs) it's disappointing to like hear that like confirmation of how this was handled was just as bad as I kind of thought. And you know, that we don't know for sure that she wouldn't be asked back, like in a hypothetical sense is like
1: well, it's unfortunate that it was Not put on for your brand. shoulders. Yeah. It's unfortunate <laughs> that it was put on your shoulders and <laughs> you had to really deal with it. And that it that's just it's I'm somewhat mm-hmm. surprised by that. But in a more positive note. I have we a, have a question, question about surgery. Oh, go ahead, Sorry. Can <laughs> oh, I talk can I
0: ask you about like um le- like I know we only have 10 minutes or so, but I have questions about when you're doing anesthesia on a person in surgery and they're completely out and you need to get consent for something. Do they stop the whole surgery and then you wake the person up or what, how do you obtain consent when someone's under anesthesia?
2: Oh, she frozen. Uh Oh, yeah. Even days before did we freeze just a little bit. Yeah. Okay. 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 Oh, it says my internet connection is unstable. Wonderful. (laughs) So are we. (laughs) Are we all? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So we don't, uh, we consent patients preoperatively days ahead or sometimes the morning of. Mm -hmm. Um, So usually they'll go to pre-op clinic and that's when we sign all the consents. They get their EKG blood work and that's like a week or two before surgery. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have um, people who don't go to pre-op clinic because they're pretty generally healthy and they're having a minor procedure. And we just do everything the morning of. So I can send patients for anesthesia all the time, go through the risks of a general sedation, um, having a nerve block, all those sorts of things so that they know what to expect, um, intraoperatively.
1: Hmm. Oh my gosh. That just, (laughs) you're so smart. So what is it? Can you talk to us about what is the longest surgery you've sat through?
2: Well, we did like a finger implantation surgery that was 16 hours and it was at the beginning of my call. And then at the end of my call, it was still. And then someone tapped me out because I was going to ask
1: you. Yeah. I was going to ask you is it like pilots where you can only fly for so many hours and you have to be tapped
2: out? It's not as strict as pilots. Pilots have very strict rules. Like you can only fly yeah. once you're over. No, I mean, I've done a 36 hour shift before and been wow. in the OR most of that time. Um, there should be um, stricter rules actually, um, but currently there's not. Um, and I've, I've definitely been in the OR for long periods of time. But now um, that I'm a faculty member, I usually float around because I'm usually running more than one operating room at the same time, usually two. Oh, wow. So when you say
1: you're a faculty member. You are you taking care of or you training residents?
2: Yes, exactly. Okay. So about half the time I'm with residents, and half the time I'm with a CRNA, and so they have to stay with the patient. So someone from the anesthesia team has to stay in the room at all times, and okay. then I bounce back and forth. That way, the three of us can run two operating rooms. So it's um, we call it like the anesthesia care team.
1: Okay. So you're doing that part-time, not full-time,
2: correct? I'm part-time now. I was full-time when we were filming and I'm part-time now and I love it. I just gives me more time to run my businesses, spend Mm -hmm. time with my kids, like get my hair done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everything, all the, all the life things, because I'm not at work like 60 hours a week. And you have to remember like back when I was full-time, that was close to 50 to 60 hours a week. Oh, I have no doubt. Wow. Yeah. So Mm -hmm.
1: as a faculty member or, you know, where you're actually kind of a head honcho, I feel like in the hospital, are you carrying your own separate medical malpractice insurance or is it all through the hospital?
2: No, it's all through the hospital where I work. Yeah, in private practice, I think that may differ. Um, mm-hmm. But where I work, like I have a salary from the hospital. If I take call, I get more money, and they take care of all the malpractice and billing um, as oh, well. Oh, good. Oh, that's right. Nice. So I don't have to. I just show up to work. You know what I mean? I don't have to like. You're like worry about all that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Do you
0: feel like um, you got out your what do you call it, your midlife crisis? Like, do you feel like you like? Shook it off, or like burst through it, or or do you still have more wild oats to to sow?
2: I don't know. I got a little taste of what it was like to be carefree and wild, and now I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, maybe that's kind of fun um, to do things for yourself, and not because you feel obligated or because your parents expect you to, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I, I might have more up my sleeve in the future, but currently nothing pending. And I feel like the experience, like I wanted it to just be like the best sleepover ever, you know, Yeah. Like obviously it was not, it was, I tell people my experience was very underwhelming in many regards. And so I'm a little sad at how it turned out kind of like a relationship, you know, you date someone, you just think it's going to be like, awesome. You're going to fall in love. And then it's like, blah. Yeah. Big dud. Can I ask you a question?
1: Something that really, really, really bothered me about your season was you have a fear of water,
2: correct? And not knowing how to swim, right? I almost drowned when I was little because my dad um, took me fishing and wasn't watching. Yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
1: that was something that a storyline that I didn't understand why they were allowing that storyline to go on with, wasn't it Carrie? I felt like it was.
2: He, her I, he, and in, Cameron were like whispering and like devising later as I watch when you watch the show back. You're yeah. like, oh, that's what they were whispering about. You don't know it right then. They thought it would be hilarious to push me into the pool wearing a brand new all white outfit Yeah, after I had paid to do hair and makeup for her birthday party, like in her honor, bought her a hundred dollar bottle of tequila, brought it to her birthday party, you know, came after I got off work one night and she just shoved me in the pool and it's not like I was going to drown, but I don't like being in bodies of water. I don't like having water on my face. It's like a thing. Yeah. Well, especially fully clothed. It's suffocating. Yeah. Everything sticks. Yeah. And all my makeup was like, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's inappropriate for somebody who, who's not afraid of water. And then it just takes it to a different level for somebody that has a legitimate fear. And I don't like I don't like this word. I don't like the word bullying because I pe- feel like people use it so much that it's lost its value. But I truly think that was a perfect example of cast members actually bullying another cast member to the point where it could cause some type of like PTSD or trauma. But yeah. I, I was really surprised by that. And it really bothered me. But anyways, um, in more fun news or questions, I guess, we have an idea would you be open if you were asked to go on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip? Would that be something you would be open to participating in?
2: Yeah, I'm down because Deandra, one of the closers that she used to get me to agree to meet with the casting director was we get to go on a really fabulous trip and they pay for everything on this trip. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll talk to the casting agent. And my fabulous trip was to Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, that's, sucked. And I still feel that Bravo owes me a trip. They do. I agree. I go on a trip with like a six other women. Why not? Why yes. not?
1: Andy, <laughs> if you are listening, get Tiffany,
2: Dr. Moon,
1: her trip that she deserves. Where, do you, the where would you go? Trip
2: We deserve. Somewhere fabulous, like with history or a beautiful beach. Like I'm not Greece. Oklahoma, not Greece. not Italy, Oklahoma, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Thailand, Southeast, Thailand, Saint Mexico, Mexico Malaysia,
0: anywhere but there,
2: anywhere but Oklahoma. <laughs> oh,
1: sorry,
0: my... <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, no, you definitely deserve to have a redo of your trip for sure.
2: Yeah. Where do I sign up for ultimate girls trip? I'm down. And I don't know, like any of the other housewives or like what their old storylines were were, because I never watched it. So like, actually I will just evaluate the people based on my actual interactions with them instead of like, Oh, that's the girl that did this and this. Yeah. About that. Yeah. like I would have a clean slate with everyone. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, totally. I would, I would pay good money to see that. And I'm excited. I'm going to, we're going to
1: tag Bravo and hopefully
0: (laughs) they get the ball rolling.
1: Bravo. I will keep my Peacock subscription. If you put Tiffany moon on season four of ultimate girls. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, thank
0: you. So, 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 so I know you have to run, um, to your next appointment, but thank you so, so, so much for coming on and answering all of our questions. Like literally nothing was off limits. Thank you so much for being such an open book.
2: Yeah. Whenever people are like, oh, is there anything we shouldn't talk about? I'm like, no, like mention it all. Mention
1: <laughs> it all. <laughs>
2: well, be- before you go, are there any projects
1: you're working on that you want to plug or anything you want to promote besides your wonderful candle business that we all love and adore?
2: No, just, um, I'm making fall sense for aromatherapy because mm. fall is like big for candle season, right? Right now it's a hundred degrees. It's not really candle season, but we're making like a Christmassy one and like mm. a pumpkin and orange one. So Yum. I literally have 10 candles on my desk right now. Oh so God. yeah, just working on expanding aromesthesia and getting the brand out there. Cause some, the other day somebody was like, you have a candle line. I didn't know. And I was like, damn it. And then I called my marketing team. I was like, you guys are doing a bad job.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have eye- in trouble.
2: Can
1: you create like a high, high, high and like seasonal candle that's shaped like a pill or a pill box or something? Because I feel like because all of your candles are named after medications or some type of correct chemical. I,
2: I yeah, just think it'd like be so uh, fun. I to will have make a, you a Xanax a Xanax <sighs> candle. Shame on like that one. Xanax bar.
1: <laughs> Never taken one, but I will. Sure, I will definitely buy the Xanax bar candle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you so much, um, and we'll let you go. Thank you, thank, thank
1: you. you guys
2: for having me on.
1: Thank you, thank you Bye. so much. We really, really appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: Oh my God, wasn't that so fun, you guys? It was everything we promised and more. We really I,
1: delivered. We delivered, and you know what? Our interview skills—they always need work. Always need work. But it's hard to interview such a star. Like talk about being starstruck. I feel like there's no other you could show me Angelina Jolie, president of the United States, wouldn't bat an eye, a housewife. I'm I turn into rubber, like a blubber like blubbering mess. Literally, I'm I'm still a
0: blubbering mess. I don't think I could (laughs) have given her any more compliments. But now it's time
1: to do our criminal (laughs) behavior. Oh, I think There is one point in the interview and I'm sure you guys will let us know where both of us go to ask a question, but then it just turns into us talking about how much we love her. And then we're like, yeah. Okay. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was so, so, so fun. But anyways, uh, as we wrap up every episode, we are going to talk about our criminal behaviors. Do you have one?
0: Yes, I do have one because you told me to have one. And so I did my criminal behavior is i'm not you, you probably don't fall victim to this cash but on tiktok you know you scroll through video after video after video and video after video you hear the fucking chirp of someone's fire <gasps> detector yes chirp. chirp yep that's my criminal
1: change your goddamn batteries the fact that people can go hours or days or even weeks without fixing it. I've been on a work interview or not work interviews, uh, work meetings where somebody has it going off in the background and it d- doesn't even phase them. I don't understand
0: it. I don't. I don't. If you are someone who isn't upset by the chirp. I, I actually don't want you to message us, actually. I actually don't. <laughs> Just stop following us. Just <laughs> unfollow us. <laughs> Yeah. So that's my criminal behavior. Like, okay, first of all, change your thing. Second of all, I now move to make fire detectors attached to the electricity with the battery as a backup.
1: Yes. Agree. Okay. I've been heard. So I, my criminal behavior is, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to think this is unoriginal, but the Instagram feed changing to more of a TikTok style, I guess. Oh, So do you remember a couple months ago, I messaged you and I asked you if your Instagram feed had changed Mm -hmm. and I said, mine is appearing black. And it wasn't because I had it on dark mode. It was still, it just switched. And it was this new platform where it like pulled the movie, the video or the photograph closer to you. And it changed like the formatting and everything. Well, I guess I was part of the test group. So I got it early, but I guess they rolled it out recently to everybody and like Kim Kardashian was posting, turn Instagram back to or stop, make Instagram Instagram again. It's not TikTok. You guys, God bless Kim Kardashian and all of the celebrities because they put it back to the original format and my phone is back. Like I can't tell you. That's insane. So your phone
0: was held hostage by yes. Mark Zuckerberg. I'm sorry, yes. Mark Fuckerberg. Yes. Held your shit hostage. He held it hostage until Kim Kardashian got up there and fought for your rights. Like she does for everyone
1: else. He did it without my consent and something that I find very, very interesting. It's like, if you're going to roll out a new platform and test it on people, you better have a feedback section, have a feedback section and also have a opt in. But Do you want to know the craziest part about that test, the test format that I had? Yeah. When I would be listening to Spotify or listening to a podcast or music or something, and then I would open up my Instagram app and start scrolling, any video that had audio would shut my music off or the podcast I was listening to off. Oh,
2: hell no.
1: They, it, it, the glitch was fixed once they rolled it out to everybody, but I was scrolling on my phone last night and it switched in the middle of my scroll. When I remember,
0: do you remember when Instagram was brand new? And they had only pictures and then they switched to like adding video and the video would automatically play on full fucking blast when (laughs) you were scrolling. Like that was traumatizing.
1: Remember the days of Instagram where we didn't have ads.
0: Remember the days of Instagram when only people with an iPhone had one. And so I didn't have one until college because I didn't have an iPhone. I didn't have one until I was
1: in. Yeah. When I was in college, I was so poor, so poor, (laughs) so poor, but anyways, that's my criminal behavior. And please let me know if anybody else was a part of that test group, because we really suffered and nobody understood how we were suffering. Because when I told Lauren that she goes, that's what mine looks like. It's on dark mode. I was like, (laughs) it's not (laughs) so funny. That's exactly what I
0: said. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, you don't get it. It looks different. I'm like, no, you just have to get used to it. (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, we'll see you next week with a fun little update. Bye. Bye.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?